King Gaming. We're here to cover the iconic faction. I know it wasn't part of the WWE, but it was a very iconic, you know, faction during the WWE Attitude Era, the NWO, the New World Order Wrestling Brother. As Hulk Hogan, New World Order. As Hulk Hogan said. Well, the reason why we're doing this is obviously this the sad passing of Scott Razor Ramon Hall, you know, very tragically passed away on March thir- uh, 14th. Uh, after having emergency hip hip replacement, he had a heart attack, multiple heart attacks, rumors say, and tragically never came through. So I figured, you know, I talked to, you know, King Uno and Nabo. I said, why don't we cover this iconic faction, the NWO, the outsiders becoming the NWO? And we're like, let's do it. You know, of course. Right. We can't go My wrong. whole life, I've been an outsider, so. You know, yeah. I, I I I feel I pulled to uh, the NWO because they were the outsiders, quote unquote. You know, before the NWO, so Paul yeah. and Nash, you know, being an outsider myself, I felt I felt that it was only right to embrace the outsiders. So <laughs> that being said, I mean, were you Team NWO or Team uh, DX? You know, um, antic wise, my heart was with DX because DX had all the antics. You know, oh yeah, going on. But heart-wise, you know, my heart was with the outsiders. You know, it was like the new guys, the, the guys people didn't like, the guys who are picked last for something. It was like they were the outsiders, and that's how I am. But antique-wise, it was DS. So I was kind of, I was like 50-50. I, I mean, it's, like, hard, it's hard because, okay, okay, you look at DX. Okay, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, two Hall of Fame careers, no doubt about it, two Hall of Famers just by themselves. They don't even need DX. Right. Of course, obviously, they're and as DX. Triple H will be in the WWE Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. And I think then, I'll be in there, but he'll probably be inducted again. Well, no, I mean, like as a solo, as as just Triple H, he'll be oh, in there yeah, three. Definitely, definitely, he'll yeah. be in there three times at least because of evolution. You know, there's no denying yeah, that evolution will definitely. be in there. But you know, you look at DX, and then you see China. You know, Rick Rude was a part of it. You know, not really much. You know, he left after a while. But China, my boy had a Hall, contract. It was a tryout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, China's pretty solid wrestler in her own right. She One should be a Hall. Yeah, yeah, one night in China, and then that brings up X Pac, you know, a great wrestler, a two time Hall of Famer because he's with the NWO, and also, of course, you know, DX. And, you know, it really is hard to pick between the two because look at NWOs on the other side. You got Hulk Hogan, who had a great career in the WWF, now, you know, WCW at this point, mm-hmm. was having pretty good matches with the likes of Ric Flair. And, you know, Lex Luger and him actually had a couple good matches. I was watching some of the old school. And then, you know, Kevin Nash and and Scott Hall were actually relatively pretty solid wrestlers in their own right. Obviously, Scott Hall would have some, you know, demons that would, you know, partake in his career and kind of cut his short. Like most wrestlers got those demons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, nobody's perfect. But, you know, you started to see, 
you know, the wheels fall off later on, but they still had great careers and no doubt about it, deservingly to be in the, the Hall of Fame, both of them being two-time Hall of Famers, that being Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Hulk Hogan is a two-time Hall of Famer now as well because of that. But I want to backtrack real quick before we move forward. Okay. Um, you mentioned the, like, the, the likes of X-Pac, you know, the, like, the, pretty much the add-ons to these, these factions. Yeah. Do you think certain wrestlers only get into the Hall of Fame because they were in a faction, or do you think they could have made it on their own? Like me personally, I don't think S Pot would be a Hall of Famer without Solo, yeah. WO or DX. No, and you know, it's it's sad because not saying he wasn't talented enough, but honestly, like the accolades to me, it doesn't, you know, reach the, the potential of a he Hall wasn't of Famer. Over yeah. that much as a single competitor as he was in the faction. It's like yeah. and, the faction, everybody loved the faction. So it's yeah. like he's over. Yeah. And that music that he had, he had his own music with D-Generation X, which is crazy because DX had their own music. And then, of course, the New Age Outlaws had their own music, which is weird. You, you look at that kind of faction where NWO, there was two different types of music. It was the NWO music and then the Wolfpack music, which was actually a different form of NWO, which we're going to cover on a later podcast. We're not going to do it on this one. But X-Pac was, no doubt about it, a great wrestler. He had some great matches, obviously, with the likes of Razor Ramon before he became X-Pac, the one 2 three kid. Mm-hmm. And a tag team champion, uh, a lightweight champion at one he point. He won with Kane also. Like he won, I believe it was yeah, he won, it, he won it with Kane as well. And he won it. He had actually had a group that he created. I, don't, I think they were called X-Factor. It was him, Bull Buchanan, and uh, Just Incredible, and somebody else. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was a short-lived faction that they had, and he was the leader of it. But it was like I don't know. To me, X Pac was not that guy that could be it. I think it was uh, Justin Credible and Albert. They were called X Factor, like you say. It was, yeah. it was Justin Credible and Albert. I couldn't remember. I remember somebody bald, and that's why I thought Bull Buchanan. AKA Lord Tensai, AKA A Train. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Bloom. He's still part of the WWE. He's actually a trainer in the NXT. Yeah, he's a he he's a, a head trainer, team. if I'm not mistaken. Like he's the number one trainer. But, you know, and that the same goes with, like, let's say I'm going to use a name from the NWO, Scott Steiner. I don't think he'll ever be in the WWE Hall of Fame because of his issue that he has with, with Triple H and, and other wrestlers. But not to say he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Booty daddy. Yeah, not to say he wasn't deserving of a Hall of Fame. But, honestly, I there's some guys that I look at. I Like you said, X-Pac, I don't think will make it. The Billy Gunn won't make it as a solo. Neither will Road Dog. Even yeah, though they, like they, they've done great I things. They, I feel like certain superstars are only legit in this Hall of Fame because they were in a faction. Yeah. And they put the whole faction into the Hall of Fame, which included, you know, them people. Yeah. So it's like when you really look at it, like you said, like Billy Gunn, X-Pac, um, Road Dog, like them has the same competitors. Correct. Not make it. They're yeah. all talented wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. They're definitely all talented. Oh, yeah. But... Like you said, the accolades, the championships, the stats, everything is just not there for them to make it on their own. Well, you know, and it's like you look at other factions. Some of them have had great other tag teams even where they both had great careers. And I'll I'll use an example of APA. Both had great solo careers. Farouk, before he was even with the APA, had a great career. Telling his career. Yeah, and then Ron Simmons came out. And then, you know, Bradshaw had a very solid career, even though it was kind of short-lived because of injuries and whatnot. But you don't see that very often with any any of the industries. Bradshaw was like a modern Vince. Yeah. Man, like, you just wanted, like, he was like that boss, but he wasn't the boss. Correct. And you just hated him. 
Correct. Like the way he bullied people and talked, like it was just great. I enjoyed it every every second of it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, honestly, like I said, with X Pac, no, and I don't mean to be dis- disrespectful because I think he's a great wrestler, but honestly, I don't think he'll. If be you ever hear X Pac, we love you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we I do love him. I, I I love watching his matches. He's had, he, you know, like I said, that match with Razor Ramon where he. He upset a Razor Ramon to you know and won on Monday Night Raw some years back. It was crazy. It was a crazy time, and I was like, man, that's cool. Like, cause he made it cool to be like that little guy, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. it. And then now look at where they're at now. Like everybody, Seth Rollins, all these guys are making it big time. You know, and they're not big guys. And he kind of you know was a trendsetter in his own way. You know, trailblazer in his own way, but. You know, we'll talk about cruiserweights. I'm sure in one of these podcasts because WCW had some great ones. You know, and I actually rewatched the pay per view again, and it had that match that I was talking about. You asked me one of my favorite Attitude Era matches. I actually rewatched the pay per view called Hog Wild, 1997. I rewatched the whole pay per view from beginning to end. Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon started off the pay per view in a classic match. It was so amazing. We're going to have to cover that pay-per-view in, in long oh, form. It, it is so awesome. Just that match alone. I would, I, we we got to watch it. Um, so the whole the whole Outsiders started actually with WWE, well, WWF back then. Mm-hmm. In January 1996, there was something called the Curtain Call uh, would take place. So Scott Hall felt like he was middle of the card, but he wanted to be more. He wanted to make more money. Obviously, in any industry, we all want to make more money. I mean, at my position, I would like to make more money. You would like to make more money in any position, in any job. You always want to make more money. Well, Scott Hall went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, man, I, you know, I want more money. You know, WCW's offered me this contract, and you know, this, they're offering me guaranteed money. I don't necessarily want exactly what they're offering, but if you can get close to or match it, I'll take it. And Vince McMahon said, right. no, I don't do guaranteed contracts. So that's when Scott Hall left. And we'll talk about Diamond Dallas Page in a little bit. But I covered I covered some stuff. I looked into what I did a lot of research. And I found out, I guess Scott Hall got in contact with Diamond Dallas Page, who obviously worked in the WCW. Diamond Dallas mm-hmm. Page lived two doors down from Eric Bischoff. And Eric, Eric Bischoff was then the president of WCW, was trying to get the roster going. Diamond goes to to Eric and he said, "I went went to Easy E and said, look, man, Scott called me. He wants he wants to he wants to work for us. The contract's there. What do you think we should do? You know, and basically he said, Diamond Dallas Page would say, I felt like the middleman I was working between. Now, there was a term that gets used a lot, and it was sting money. Now, what they mean is making sting like money." WCW had multiple platforms. You know, Ric Flair was making about seven hundred fifty thousand, maybe five hundred thousand a year. They actually released what they were making, but that was about what Ric Flair was averaging. Sting was getting seven hundred fifty thousand guaranteed. Seven hundred fifty thousand guaranteed. That's not including the royalties, not including merchandise, not including a lot of things. And Scott Hall told Kevin Nash, "Hey, yo, I got this contract from WCW." And Kevin Nash goes, well, how much is it? He goes, sting money. And he goes, for how many dates? He said 150 dates. Now, when I looked into the dates, 150 dates would mean you would actually be on the road for approximately about 189 days. That was kind of like what I was getting out of Uh everything. And WWE 
they would you would be on the road almost 300 to 340 days a year you know and they were not getting that kind of money it was $500,000 for the first year guaranteed guarantee 500,000 if you did 150 shows and that's you know that's what he was uh I, I, my show was out give me all my shows on the road fuck it no breaks yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no breaks yeah that way i could have the rest of the year off and kevin kevin nash did the same thing he went to vince mcmahon and said look man you know my contract's coming up i just want guaranteed money i want a guarantee some sort of guarantee and kevin nash you know former former wwf champion had a great you know solid career at that point and vince said look you know I can't do that. I can't do guarantee contracts. And Kevin Nash said, well, WCW has offered me this amount. If you could match it or come close to, I'm staying. I'm loyal to you. And Vince said, I'm not going to give you a guarantee. Thus, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall would become free agents. And we're going to talk about the curtain call. So this actually really kind of messed Triple H's career up almost. Almost kind of stopped Triple H's growth. Because Triple H was supposed to win the 1996 uh, uh, King of the Ring, the one, the iconic one that oh, Austin, yeah, won, saying the whole line of Austin 316 just said, "I whipped your ass," and that was supposed to be, that was that was actually supposed to be the biggest night for Triple H, because Triple H was supposed to be that guy who's going to be there, but something happened. Actually, that would happen in May. At Madison Square Garden, after a match, Diesel and Michaels had a cage match, which was their last match, and mm-hmm. Scott Hall, Triple H would come out, and they would do what was now known as Curtain Call. So what happened was is they broke kayfabe, which had never been done on TV or anything like that. And back then, they didn't have the internet like we have now, right. but it, sto- it started to slowly get out there, and there was some old timers back in the in the locker room uh, for WWF back then because uh, Chief J Strombo who was a longtime Hall of Fame wrestler he was working behind the scenes Pat Patterson it really pissed a lot of people off because you're not supposed to do that bad guys rode with bad guys good guys rode with good guys there was no you know friendly nothing it was you know that's how business was but Shawn Michaels the allegedly allegedly Shawn Michaels this is Bruce Pitt- Pritchard said this Shawn Michaels went to Vince and said, hey, Vince, you know, I want to do a final goodbye. Vince asked Shawn Michaels, is, this that, is it really that important to you? Which Shawn Michaels said, yes, this is very important to me. Vince goes, you have my blessing. Well, we didn't know the, the repercussions of it because it pissed a lot of people off backstage, <laughs> including these you know, old timers and thus hurting Triple H's push because Shawn Michaels was a WWF champion. You're not going to punish him. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are gone. You know, Diesel and, and Razor Ramon are no longer with the company. Vince can't do yep. nothing about that, so that leaves the one guy left, Triple H. And it kind of sucked because... Uh, Triple H, who just recently retired, too. Yeah, yeah shout-outs to him. We're going to be doing a podcast in a couple of weeks with him, you know, covering his solo... We're not with him. We're going to cover him. Yeah, we're going to cover him. Yeah, would be awesome <laughs> if we can get him in here. would be amazing. Would be so I might be able to possibly pull the strings and maybe... Possibly get Rhea Ripley. That would be kind of cool, even if it was just a one-time, just a short little come in and say hi, you know. And it kind of sucked because Scott Hall's contract retired uh, was uh, was done at that point, not expired at that point. And Kevin Nash was actually would expire seven days later, 
and oh sorry robert's calling i'm gonna have to ignore it sorry buddy but scott hall's contract would expire as i mentioned and he get he shows up to uh to the may 27th monday night nitro and they go backstage he introduces himself i guess he was really friendly got to meet a lot of people and larry sabisco and a whole bunch of people in creative, whoever they had in creative, Eric Bischoff actually recollects some of it. He doesn't remember everything, but he said Larry Zabisco was the one that said something. And this is what he said. Larry Zabisco would say, nah, Scott Hall cannot just come from the ramp because nobody's going to believe it. It's not going to be believable. He has to come through the fans because then it looks like an outsider coming in. And that's what would happen. Scott Hall would interfere in a match against Steve Dahl and the Mahler who I that, don't that pop when they seen him, it was like it was a pop, but it was also like, Yeah, oh god, is he really here? Like, what the hell? What, what's happening right now? So, like, them having him come through the crowd was actually a great call. Oh, it, it was iconic. And then the lines that he would say, This is what he said. This, I actually caught the whole script right here. You people, you, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Where's billionaire Ted? Where is the nacho man? That that punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh, where is Sheen Jean? Because I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll lookalike, when that weatherman wannabe comes here later tonight, I got a challenge for him. For Billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in WCW. He said it kind of, you know, just like WCW. that. WCW. You, hey, you want a war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Now, watching that, like, you didn't know what was happening. Watching it live, you're like, wait a minute. This guy just just last week was on Monday Night Raw, you know? Yep. And nobody <laughs> knew what was going on. And I, those the rumor was that Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, they had no idea. That, and Larry Zabisco, he was, you know, kind of aware of it, but they, you know, these guys didn't know because they wanted it to be as real as possible. Eric Bischoff said that very few people knew. Creative Scott Hall would actually later go on and talk to everybody, but later on throughout the next week, he shows up back up on Raw. Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan are sitting up on the announcing stage talking, and all of a sudden. Scott Hall appears and Bobby Heenan just runs like out of nowhere. Like he just see him running. He's like, I'm out of here. And Scott Hall would say this line. He goes, just relax. Just relax, Chico. Yo, Kendall. I had such a good time last week. I had to come back for more. Relax, man. Relax. You started it. You want to go to war? You started it. We going to finish it. And Eric I love us. how you put a little accent with it. I love that shit is amazing. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to replicate it. There's no replicating it. Eric said, What do you mean? We. And Hall said, You know who Big Daddy Warbucks got, got his money yet? And then as he would say that, Sting would pop up, and then this is what Sting would say. You come out here last week saying some real horrible things about WCW, some horrible things about the Hulkster, Macho Man, and the Stinger. Somewhere along the way, you got lost. Do you have any idea where you are? You're in the jungle, baby. This is WCW. And as soon as he said that, the crowd kind of would pop. And he goes, that's right. Hold on. 
and every week you say you want three of the best. I don't see three of you. I only see you and me. So why don't we handle this one-on-one? And the crowd would just pop even louder. And then Hall would say some of the lines because I couldn't really get a good hear of it. He goes, you want to fight, man? You want to fight? You got one. Only nobody tells me what to do and nobody tells me when to do it. And then that's when Scott Hall would do the infamous take his little toothpick out and fling it right right at Sting. And then Sting would just kind of look at him and just slap him in the face. And I remember then, I did that one time. It didn't end well for me. Yeah, it didn't went in well for me when I tried like, it. Watching wrestling have the kid got me into a lot of trouble, bro. Yeah. Like, doing the whole X, 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 you know, <laughs> suck it thing. Doing bro, that I can't comment on saying suck it. I, yeah. I said suck it. I did the gesture. Like, it was, it was all bad. But let's not also forget. I know you're going to get to it. I'm pretty sure it's in the next, uh, the next part of what you're about to say. The infamous dumping the title in the trash. Yeah, that would uh, that actually happened prior. That actually happened before all this. But you know, they had a uh, well. She would wrestle as Medusa. Mm-hmm. She uh, actually would actually drive a truck as Medusa, a monster truck, and she would dump the tra- uh, the the WWF women's champion in the trash. Yeah, that was crazy. That was that was something never done before, and that was all Eric Bischoff's idea, you know. And you like, know, people don't realize though, even when WCW like closed the doors for good or whatever, Eric Bischoff worked backstage for WWE. So a lot of the creative work came from Eric Bischoff, yeah, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest creative geniuses. Oh, absolutely. For WWE. Yeah, but. Of course, you know, you don't stick with one job for too long. They end up releasing more, whatever the case was. Yeah. Whatever fucking reason they did that, I don't fucking know. Vince is just fucking stupid. He needs to sign over to come to Triple H. Shane, Stephanie, Eric Bishop, somebody. In my opinion, well, I'm, I might get heat for this. I, don't, I personally really don't care. Vince is literally killing WWE. Yeah. He's killing it. Like, and I'm going I'm to I'm prove a point. Aleister Black now known as Malachi Black in um, AEW, returns from injury. You bring him on screen. He gets he interferes in Big E's match. Hits him with Black Mass. The next week, he's released. Yeah. You, pro- you promote Hit Row from NXT. You tell them backstage. I, I, I seen it on the, uh, on the website. Wrestle feed. You tell them backstage. They're going to get a push and possibly feud with the New Day. You release them two weeks later. What is the point of bringing people on screen yeah. Just to release them. What's the point of bringing them up to the main roster? To release them. Oh, for budget cuts. It's not for budget cuts, bro. It's not. Yeah, because they Man, could be making you money. Doing, yeah. But Vince is literally killing WWE. Oh, he is. There's no no denying it. And the, the storylines are, are, you know, pretty bad. And, you know, of course, us being huge WWE fans and wrestling fans in general, not necessarily WWE, but it, it's just Vince, I think, needs to step away. Let somebody else run the business. Let them show you how it's done, and go exactly. from there. Like give it up when Triple H was uh, running NXT before Vince. Oh, it, somehow, it was amazing. Whatever took over, NXT was great. Now yeah. NXT 2.0 is mediocre. At like best. let let Shane run it. Let Stephanie let. Or yeah. hell, I people don't even know this for real. Paul Heyman was um, a creator or a creative writer. When he was in control a couple years back, I'm gonna say back in 2018, 19, yeah. Raw was fucking great. SmackDown, fucking great. Now, since he took that title away from Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, it's like we're back to this bullshit now. 
Yeah, and Paul Heyman was giving guys pushes. Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, um, Shelton Benjamin. He was giving what the crowd wanted. But here's the thing: you say that, okay? Look at the wrestlers from the ECW era, and you know, and I'm not trying to say that you know, obviously ECW. I think had they had the the Vince McMahon money, they would be mm-hmm. actually the number one business, and, and no doubt about okay. it, because because Paul Heyman did something great with guys like two, uh, what was it, two Cole Scorpio. That guy was a phenomenal wrestler in, in ECW. He had some great matches in WWE. He would actually wrestle as somebody else in WWE. I can't remember the name. But he also wrestled in WCW. And Vince didn't know what to do with him because Vince didn't know how to handle guys that could do double front flips, you know, back flips, whatever. You know, and, you know, that's not a knock against Vince. He's old school. I get it. But this is a new school era. The gimmicks and all this bullshit you're trying to do is not going to work on us because, you know, we see past it. And you look at AEW's product, and and I'm going to use an example. Chris Jericho is still relevant. Why? Because he doesn't go with the storylines. He does different things, and every day is different. It's not a straight storyline. You know, the whole listing, from what I read, it was all his idea. The whole you just made a my list. A lot of the wrestlers, it, uh, they, they, they ideas that they get is literally their ideas. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Vince will either allow or he won't allow because he wants to have all that control. But also speaking of AEW, in my opinion, AEW is a mixture of ECW and WWE. Yeah. The reason I say that is because you get the blood, you get the cussing, you get the uh, all, all the great matches that you that you saw kind of on a, uh, ECW. Yeah, but it's also kind of like WWE because they try to walk that little border. Okay, let's try to keep it PG, but let's also still deliver that 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 um that boom yeah. that the crowd wants. And they're getting oversaturated with freaking WWE talent that's been released. That's why I'm glad Braun Strowman didn't go there. Him and uh, EC3 yeah. start their own wrestling promotion. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad with that. Yep, I'm mm-hmm. I'm more than okay with that. Yeah. And AEW's got a great product. I think if they would actually, I don't know, because Arn Anderson works behind the scenes. They, they they do have Billy Gunn that works there as a trainer. They have a lot of guys that are really, you know, old school, you know, demeanor. But they, they're ran by young young the Young Bucks. You know, Cody Rhodes was a huge part of that. Now, supposedly, he signed with WWE. That's the rumor. He's returning at WrestleMania to face Seth Rollins, night number one, I think. Yeah, that's that's what the rumor is, and I believe it honestly. I I could see it now, you know. Honestly, just everything would make sense, but you know, you have these great young minds, and you see the storylines. Look at Sammy, his storyline that he had with his dad, where he said uh, something about the belt. Like he goes, "If you would have known what I did with that belt last night, you know, yeah, yeah, like you wouldn't be kissing it like that." <laughs> yeah. And it was just like so funny. Like you know, the storylines are classic on on AEW, and I I just love to see the growth of even these old timers. Sting is still actually kind of relevant. Chris Jericho, like I said, he's he's one of the most relevant wrestlers for his age of all time. There's nobody that could be like him. Like there's just nobody. Like Sting wrestles every so often. He just had a match, I think, like two weeks ago. So yeah, you know, and it's just it's kind of crazy to think about that. Well. After the whole slap incident, we'll get right back to our podcast now. You can hear Sting, and uh, this is what the line that, uh, actually, before I get there, Hall would, would, after he gets slapped in the face, he would say, okay, okay, tough guy, I got to let you know. I got a big surprise for you next week. And then you can hear Sting in the background going, next week, next week. And now Kevin Nash, his contract is officially expired. He can now show up on Nitro, and Uh he would make – 
a very iconic, iconic return to WCW. Now, both these guys have already wrestled in WCW because Scott yep. Hall was a diamond, Hall, uh, diamond, diamond stud, and Kevin Nash had multiple gimmicks. He was the he was Oz, he was Vinny Vegas. He was just he was there for a while, for a short while, and Scott Hall would appear on set. Everyone would scatter except for Eric Bischoff and. Eric Bischoff would get up and say some of the lines of like, wait, wait a minute. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble from you, you know, but Kevin Nash, his biggest shit though. I ain't yeah. Gonna he, lie. Well, he's, what is he? Seven foot. I think he's actually legit seven foot. Yeah. Like he biggest shit. Like he walked up on me. I'm probably have to just kneecap him or fall out like a bear was chasing me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big guy. And you know, Eric Bischoff say, I don't want no trouble, but I, I do have to point out, you said last week you came out here you said that you had a surprise, a big surprise. I mean, we heard the the talk, but where's the walk? And Hall kind of points behind Eric Bischoff, and Eric Bischoff goes, "What? Where is he?" And then Kevin Nash would you would see him pull up on the screen, formerly known as Diesel, you know. And this was iconic because we just saw Diesel wrestle in WWE just you know prior, yep. you know, and you know a lot of people are like, "Oh crap!" So we didn't know that these guys were actually working for WCW until later. But That's would, why I like to air back then. We didn't have the internet to spoil it. We like, oh yeah. shit, it's legit. This surprise. is legit. Like, yeah. Well, this. rumor has it, so yeah. and so is going to be on WCW Nitro this week. And I'm like, bro. Yeah, you ruined. It's just like Cody Rose, prime example that you know that kind of ruined the whole the whole behind the scenes. Like, but, you know, can you imagine? Well, he's. I'm pretty sure he's going to still get a pop at WrestleMania. Oh, he will. Just no doubt about pop, it. Like if we didn't know Cody was coming back, like Seth Rollins out there in the ring, I demand the WrestleMania match. This and the third. And then Cody Rose, um, whichever thing you want to use, uh, broken mirrors or whatever thing. Oh, you're only smoking mirrors. Like imagine that theme hits, bro. The pop would be fucking bizarre. I think it's like, gonna it be, be kind of. I think I have an idea what's gonna happen. I I'm gonna say this. I think it's gonna be like all of a sudden the lights just go completely black. It just everything mm-hmm. just goes black, and then. And then some kind of music is going to play, and it's going to show Cody Rhodes, like as a, you know, like in the on the Titron or whatever they call it now. I could just see it. I, I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking in my head. Like if I was to be, a I'm story. thinking Seth is going to take the show hostage or whatever. Yeah. WrestleMania is not going to continue until I get me a freaking match. This yeah. Third, I'm so freaking Rollins. You guys need me. Then all of a sudden, Cody Rhodes music hits, and then he's in shot like. What and everybody the crowd's going wild, he's in shock, and then they have a match. I'm gonna bring up a moment. You say, you know, the whole the whole like, you know, it's still gonna be a pop, obviously. But some years back, it was not that long ago with the Hardy Boys when they made that WrestleMania return. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden New Day comes out and they said there's gonna be another tag team. It's gonna be, you know, what was it, a four way tag team uh, at that point? Yeah, like a four, I think it was like a four fatal four way to yeah. fifth team. Something yeah. like that. Something like that. And then like you thought it was gonna be New Day. And then all of a sudden, the Hardy Boys music hits. Yeah, and it was just like, that was crazy. Because I was watching that. I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like all excited. I was, you know, I was doing my little, you know, yeah, my little Jeff Hardy impersonation. I was like, oh, hell yeah. And, of course, they had actually a very solid match. You know, no, I mean, all the wrestlers that were in there were really good. I mean, you know, it was. I want to say all of them. Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess you could kind of count them out. But I mean, everybody else is pretty solid. I thought they did pretty well in that match. I, yeah, I don't really remember Enzo and <laughs> Enzo being in there. To be honest, like I remember Jeff Hardy, you know, doing that 
you know, that leg drop through the the ladder like he always did. Uh, Sheamus. Jeff Hardy is the only person I know who willingly hurts himself. Like, yeah. Bro, what is wrong with you, sir? Yeah, it's like he loves it, but he doesn't. Like, because he, he recently said in the interview, like, if he could take away the Swanton Bomb, he would because he hates that finisher. It hurts him every time he does it. And I'm like, well, then stop doing it. Just <laughs> stop. Change like, your finisher. Yeah, change your finisher. But everybody knows him for that, and that's what he's – yeah, I don't know. It's kind of stupid. But Kevin Nash – Move, but I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be like me saying I hate monsters, but I'm still gonna drink them. You know, like what the fuck? Like, I hate monsters, but I'm still about scary movies. I hate yeah. monsters, but I'm on the houses. Yeah, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> Kevin Nash would obviously come out, and then he said some of the lines of, "You've been sitting here out here for six months, running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective play. We ain't here to play." Now he obviously referring to Hall said last week that he was gonna bring somebody out here. I'm here. You still don't have three people, and you do you know why? Because nobody wants to face us now. Kevin Nash actually botched this because adjective is is not the word he meant because he said you know he said adjective is play. Well, actually, play is a verb. You know, it's just kind of still iconic. Now, Eric would say, I don't want no no trouble. Just say your piece. And then Kevin Nash, this is where it gets really good. He goes, yeah, no trouble because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Where are these three guys? You know you, you, know you couldn't get a paleontologist to get these fossils cleared? <laughs> you ain't got guys <laughs> off the dials machine <laughs> to get a team? <laughs> yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise? Where's Macho Man, huh? Doing a Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. The insults and everything back then were just so fucking iconic. They had yeah. so many iconic lines, jokes. Puns, yeah, oh my God. Like him saying the insults. paleontologist with the fossils, like I was cracking up. And he said, uh, he says, you want to say something? And Eric kind of was like freaking out, st- you know, backstepping, stuttering, saying, look, I don't have the authority right here, right now to make a fight, but you want to fight? The fight isn't with me. You want to face three guys tomorrow morning. I'll be in Atlanta with the offices of WCW, and I will try to get you a fight. And do you know what? Live this Sunday in Baltimore, American Bash. You guys want to show up. You want to fight. You show up, and I will see to it that you get a fight. Kevin Nash would say something like, uh, I don't know about you, and he looks at, at Scott Hall, but they love us in Baltimore. And Hall would say, hey, big guy, I say we show up at Bash and show these punks what a fight is. And then Nash would say, yeah, you bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy, and you're looking at it. And then Nash would kind of shove Eric Bischoff away, and Eric Bischoff would do the iconic, like, cut the mic and cut the camera, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it was iconic. The whole thing was just amazing. And obviously, the week, the, the weeks going into this, at this point, you're seeing things that you don't you wouldn't see like prior to this like after the whole curtain call it was kind of boring watching monday night nitro it was and then these guys come in and it was like wait a minute here now i'm gonna play something here in a little bit uh we're gonna play uh scott hall and kevin ash would say that they had a, a third person they they hinted that they had a third person, but nobody knew who it was. Yep. Me, me and Gene was in the back. He goes, I recognize the voice, but I don't know who it is. It was like all this tension in the back. And Cody Rhodes said in a, in a, they did a, in a, a, 
an NWO revolutionary or something like that. And Cody Rose says something along the lines: there was so much tension backstage, like you thought it was real, like everything was legit, and it was pretty cool. Like here they have these amazing iconic wrestlers, you know, two of the best, and here they are. They go out and they're facing Sting, Lex Luger, and Macho Man, three great wrestlers in that in that era for for WCW. Macho Man was really actually kind of looking pretty cool with the paint the sting paint Lex Luger had the sting paint and yeah there was a line that was said that I I I loved Bobby the Brain Heenan said whose side is he on when Hulk Hogan comes down and I'm gonna play it because it's just too iconic I'm gonna see share your screen and we're gonna go this one share this way you can see it and this guy Right here. Randy Anderson selling it so well. Like, what just happened? And here we go. Here we go. And then right here. Come on and get some of this now. Who's bad now, boy? Kevin Nash is looking at him like, oh crap. Hulk and then Hogan, Hogan right here. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Drops the leg on Macho Man. Yeah, that was that was so iconic, man. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, like I said, I mean, the whole line, like whose side is he on? And like Dusty Rose sold it perfectly. He's like, what? <laughs> like what? Like, what are you saying? Like, well, now, a lot of people didn't know this, but Bobby the Brain Heenan acted like he hated Hulk Hogan, but in reality, it was actually one of his favorite wrestlers, other than Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant and Bobby the Brain Heenan had a very, very close relationship. Like, they were best friends. Bobby the Brain Heenan would do anything. It was like a son to him or or nephew or whatever he referred him to. And Uh him and Hulk Hogan actually had a very, very close relationship prior to Bobby Heenan obviously passed away some years back. A lot of these wrestlers, it'd be funny because a lot of like I'd be watching people and listening to people. They'd be like, "Oh, this person hates this person." Da da da. I'm like, "Bro, they're actually friends in real life." Like Brock Lesnar, Undertaker are friends in real life. Oh yeah, and they had they some hate. epic matches. Yeah, you like know, they're and... friends in real life. They'd be like, "No, Brock hates him," or so and so hates this person. I'm like, bro, they literally hang out and travel the road together. Yeah, that's just their on-screen segment, bro. Yeah. Like you, you clearly are lost, bro. <laughs> now, now the thing is, it's like with. With Bobby the Brain Heenan saying that, it was actually not supposed to be said. There was n- there was never anything in the script about Bobby the Brain Heenan saying that. He said that on his own, and I mean it gets overlooked a lot because when I lo- watched the few like clips and everything, they never played that clip that part of it. They would always skip ahead to him dropping the leg, you know, or him you know True. pushing Randy Anderson aside and then dropping the leg. And it's like kind of weird because like I just found it to be hilarious because I watched this whole pay per view over, what? yeah. And then like he, he goes, "Whose side is he on?" And then you hear Dusty Rose goes, "What? Like what the fuck are you saying?" Like it was just classic. And then uh, Eric Bischoff wrote in his books, one of his books that he he said that 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 was not supposed to be in there and it was not a part of the script that he he did not okay it, but he said it was actually rather iconic because 
it felt real. Like you felt like, okay, Hulk Hogan's coming down here to save WCW, and then he drops the infamous leg. And he would say a lot of mean things, you know, for for him. You know, him turning heel was something crazy because Hulk Hogan, was he was a, a face his whole career. And, you know, I guess he had doubts about it. Now, so the rumor was, Eric Bischoff was saying 83 weeks, one of his podcasts, that the guy was always Hogan. But if Hogan didn't want to do it, they had a backup plan. And the backup plan was actually Sting, who he was going to turn. I was about to say, I thought it was Sting. Yeah, it was, it was the backup plan was Sting. It was always Hogan because Hogan came from, you know, up north. And Sting was going to turn and become the third member. And they were going to do it during the match. And that's if Hogan didn't want to do it. Now, Hogan agreed to do it because of the rumor is Eric Bischoff said that he would go to Rowdy Rowdy Piper's house and basically stay a couple days there to kind of clear his head to to get you know to think it through. And Rowdy would say some of the lines of "Dude, are you are you fucking serious, man? You've been a fucking face for fifteen plus years. It's time for a change." And that's what Eric Bischoff said in one of his uh, one of the interviews. And you know, referring to Hulk Hogan being a babyface throughout pretty much right. his whole WWE career and at that point WCW. And Eric Bischoff. He would say that Hulk Hogan's gimmick was kind of getting boring, and if you actually watch, it was. It, some it, it of definitely the, got stale. Yeah, you watch some of the older matches. People were actually booing Hulk Hogan, even though he was a good guy. And it was like, you know, Eric is You know, he was like, it was stale. It was something that needed to change, and obviously, him changing was probably the best thing to ever happen. Now, I want your opinion on it, like. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, do you think that's his best persona? Or do you think the red red and yellow, even even if you go further back with like the, the 80s, you know, I you know, Hogan was was running dry in that infamous leg drop. I would have to say Hollywood Hogan definitely is my favorite. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, red and yellow Hogan, Hawkamania, Hawkamania, I thought that was cool. But it's, it wasn't like Austin and The Rock, how people didn't care. Yeah. Like, it, they just enjoyed Rock and Austin. They didn't yeah. boom, this, that, third. Like, they enjoyed it. But it, it, the red and yellow Hogan ran its course. And I think to switch up to Hollywood Hulk Hogan was a much-needed change. And it led to the classic match, WrestleMania 17, I believe it was, with him and The Rock. Yeah. When it did the iconic, you look this way, I look that way, you look this way, I look that way. Yeah, the crowd just popped. Meeting the 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 present. Yeah, like Hulk Hogan was the past, meeting the present rock, and it was just it. He was I like him as a heel, I should say. Hollywood Hogan, heel Hogan, whatever you want to call him, was definitely what the what he needed. Yeah, the fans back into him to get that boost of energy to to everything. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I feel like if he would have stayed with Red and Yellow Hogan, he would have just stalled out like a lot of these wrestlers do today. Yeah, and he would have. He would have been out. Probably within a, you know, the time that he actually left WCW, I think he would have been done, done. Like he would have never wrestled, and you know, the Hollywood gave him an extension on his career, you know, and we would the see whole a, spray paint NWO on yeah, people, spray paint yeah, on the field. You would see it, like, you would see it all. You know, you still see uh, one of the number one selling shirts last year was the NWO shirt. It's still relevant to this day, and that's yeah. because how great they were. Now, Tony Schiavone. 
would actually get in trouble and he reported it. He said it in his podcast. He said, he said that the line was supposed to be, you can go to hell Hogan. Well, he said, and I quote, he said, Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell straight to hell. And, you know, and walked off set and he actually got in trouble. Had to apologize the next night on Monday night, uh, nitro to the, you know, Eric Bischoff and say, Hey, look, you know, we just got to make sure that people know that, you know, you're, you know, you got a little heated and, because, you know, it was not supposed to be like that. But me and Jane Oakland would come out to the ring and would say, Hulk Hogan, excuse me, excuse me, what in the world are you thinking? And then Hogan would say, me and Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. And then Oakland would say, I have been with you. Yeah, rest in peace. Oakland would say, I have been with you so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here, and he points to the crowd, and a lot of people around the world have had just about enough of of this man pointing at Nash and this man pointing at Hall. And you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. And Hogan would say, well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. And, you know, he would he he would go on and say a bunch of things about like the business up North referring to WWE billionaire Ted and all these things about like, you know, billionaire Ted, he wanted, he wanted to talk money with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars and billionaire Ted promised me a world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff goes and the WCW goes on board brother. And, you know, obviously there was a lot that went on because we mentioned that whole blunder in paradise, which was a kind of a terrible TV show called Thunder in Paradise. And I was about to say that the, what is like a TV show or something? I was just about to say that. Yeah, it was actually called Thunder in Paradise, and it was actually a terrible, terrible TV show. Actually, Sting would make appearances on it, and I don't know. It was just, it was just fake as fake can be. WWE sometimes slash F slash WCW always try some weird shit at one point. Yeah, just did not bode well. Yeah. Now, Eric Bischoff, he didn't know what he had. Like, I mean, nobody knew. Like, they didn't know how big this was going to be until the next day on the newspapers, magazines, the news, everywhere. It was everywhere. Hulk Hogan, you know, turned on WCW. And Eric was struggling to make things work because now here you got the NWO. You got to cut some promos. And the the rumor is Kevin Nash would say that they went to, they went to this uh, the Universal Studios to record some promos. And... They would go on and on and on, and Nash would say to Hall, like, man, this is too fucking much. Like, this is ridiculous. And one of the editors would say, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to cut it down to, like, a minute segment. Like, it was like Hogan went on for, like, 14 minutes or something like that, they said. And obviously, NWO would become something relevant, you know, relevant, excuse me. And you would see things that were amazing. Now, they were heels, but it was like they were cool. You wanted to be a part of them. Even though they were doing heel-like antics, they were throwing Rey Mysterio into a trailer, you know, and, you know... Oh, Rey Rey. I know you've seen that. I mean, everybody's seen it. threw him like a lawn dart right at the damn trailer, and, you know, and then they powerbombed Eric Bischoff. Well, not they. Kevin Nash would powerbomb Eric Bischoff off, you know, basically off the stage, you know, and... Right. It was pretty crazy, you know, and... 
you know, 80 plus weeks, you know, 83 weeks this would last. And which is crazy to think that that's almost what that's over a year. That's a year. Yeah. Change. Yeah. That's, that's over a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's about a year and a half, a little less than a year and a half. It's like almost a year and a half or so years from change. Right? Leading. Oh, no, it would be over a year and a half because 50, 52 weeks. And then that would be, yeah, it was over a year and a half. It was damn. That's pretty crazy. You know, almost two years. Let's just put it like that. Almost two years of leave. Yeah, and a few weeks later, you start seeing some more people showing up. Uh, Ted DiBiasity, who was going to be the mouthpiece for for these guys, because Hogan just likes to ramble, and Eric Bischoff like was trying Hogan to forget what he was supposed to say, so he just rambled. Yeah, and like he had dementia, and they didn't just want to say it. We're just saying like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, are you talking about, bro? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you would see it like go on and on and he would point up the four well there was actually something iconic prior to all this because we're gonna go take a little back step because in you know not, like i mentioned 1996 was a pretty big year in the wwe at Hogwild, which i i talked about i really enjoyed the ultimo dragon versus Rey mysterio there was actually a really good match between chris benoit dean malenko eddie guerrero versus rick flair like it's it, it was amazing i honestly we, we gotta cover it like dean malenko don't get enough respect like, yeah, he he was no. And this was an event that was in front of 5,000 plus bikers. Like it was a Sturgis, you know, and it was this huge event. And there was a match that would happen between the giant, a.k.a. Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show. And and of course, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. It was that was that match was just fucking terrible. It was like a test of strengths. It kept like seeing who was stronger. It was just boring. It was stupid. At the some end of matches it, don't ever need to happen, bro. Yeah. I, I, like, like I said, like some matches and some things that they do, I just be like, really? You know, if Why? you put you put the Big Show when he first became the Big Show in that match, I think it would have been different because the Giant was really young. Like he was really, really young. Like I looked at him, I was like, holy crap! He was tall, skinny. You know, it didn't look like the Giant. He was still doing like that whole kip up. He was doing drop. You know, he would later on do you know drop kicks off the top rope and it's like holy crap like a guy that big should not be doing that and then you know it, it the match was just terrible hall and nash would get involved hulk hogan went ended up with uh jimmy hart's megaphone and would hit the giant with it covering him that's when actually the next night is when ted dibiase showing up pull, putting up the four showing that he was the fourth member of eric of the uh, nwo and that's what i hate like you get these giant wrestlers and stuff, and like, like you said, he get hits with like the megaphone or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden he can't kick out like, bro, this yeah. motherfucker is seven, seven foot one, three hundred plus pounds. That small ass megaphone ain't gonna knock this motherfucker out. No, bro. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that should be pissing me off to the, even to this day, bro. And a lot of things was happening in the backstage, like wrestlers changing. Sting would become the the crow sting, which he still still goes on. I love- Crow's thing. Ah, I yeah. love that motherfucking well, scene. That actually came from Scott Hall. Scott Hall saw the movie The Crow and said to Sting, why don't you do something like that? Be this quiet guy. And that would actually happen. And Sting would basically be this whole, like, he wouldn't speak. The person. Like, you yeah, didn't for, never know. For over a year, almost around the whole 83 weeks, if not maybe even longer, because it, it felt like it was a long time that he was doing that. Well, other than the, Raptors. the Raptors. He's just standing there, just ominous as fuck. You're yeah. Like, yeah. And, what is he going to do? You won't see nobody like that ever. Like, again, like, it's just he played it so well and perfect. And the rumor is both Eric Bischoff would say it. 
Diamond Dallas Page said it, and even Sting himself said that Scott Hall was the creator of that. Like, that was all Scott Hall's vision, and Scott Hall said, bro, you can do it. This is how I would do it, and it worked, obviously, pretty well. They would have a pretty good rivalry with Sting versus NWO. Ah! Yeah, and we'll we'll cover we'll cover a lot of these you know big events now. Time and time again, you would see things happen, and you know, time and time again, being a key word there because Sting would actually basically disappear from WCW, saying you'll see me time and time again. You know, and time and time again, you would see NWO attacking WCW people. Sting would come and save them, whatnot. Well, the Giant would also turn on WCW. Actually, he was a part of a faction. Back then, I uh, can't remember the name of them now, but it was like Kevin Kevin Sullivan. It was all these like weird. It was some I don't know. It was they were crazy. He would turn on them, and that's turning on WCW joining the NWO, becoming the fifth wrestler to to be in the end or the fifth person in NWO. And ironically, number six would be. Wait, you about, are you talking about the Dungeon of Doom? Dungeon of Doom. Yes, he would turn on them becoming a member of nwo and you know somebody some somebody we could actually cover is a, or some people we can cover dungeon of doom they're pretty cool they're a little creepy looking but xbox xbox aka one two three kid would come six and AKC. also being the sixth guy <laughs> you know which is pretty cool and you know they were doing bad guy antics and you know like i said sting would basically be gone from wcw for over a year you know you didn't know what side he was on until you really started seeing him attacking w- NWO guys. And ironically, NWO would get a fake sting later on. But there was so That's many funny. talented wrestlers that you didn't even like know they were going to be what they were. Like, you know, you know, obviously Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, you know, rest in peace. Booker T, you really didn't know what he was going to become. You know, Sting actually had a pretty good run there. But then you had guys like Ric Flair, Rowdy Piper, DDP, the old timers that were, you know, DDP was actually starting to really get into wrestler, but he's he was around. He knew a lot of these things. So you had a lot of great talent. And of course, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, and you know, NWO their own right. You know, there was a lot of great wrestlers back then. And you didn't know what was gonna happen from event to event because they were playing everything almost by ear. And you know it kind of was hard for some of these guys because you had this crazy faction, but then you had guys like Rey Mysterio who was trying to compete every day. You had the Four Horsemen who was, you know, basically getting attacked by NWO every yeah, every day, every Monday night. Every time you turn it around, it would get attacked by the motherfuckers. Yeah, and the most iconic event would probably take place November 18th of 1996. Eric Bischoff was in the ring with Roddy Piper, and I'm actually going to play it for you. Let's go to it. Here we go. <laughs> First of all, how you doing? Man, look at that luscious hair. Right nice yeah. Time. Eric Bischoff's I'm a good-looking sorry? dude. I've met better. Did I better? Eric Bischoff is probably a dating white boy. Yeah. That's so a piece of rowdy. So you flew all the way to Portland 
to get this fight. You talk to my manager to get this fight. Yeah. I'm in the middle barricade. Yeah, now that you say that, yeah. What'd you find? First class coach, how'd you fly? First class coach, what was it? First class coach, how'd you fly? What airline? What airline? I'm mad because they look like they're business. And you come up to my ranch. When you come up to my ranch, tell me. Is the road crooked or is the road straight? Tell me, is the road crooked? I don't remember. I don't remember. And then this happened right here. Cue it up. He would say, you piece of shit, and then they cut it. And then there's a giant, there's six, there's Hall, Nash, Virgil, who we didn't talk about. Bro, I swear to end up yours at the Wu-Tang Clan. And then there's Hogan. And then, oh yeah, right here, there's Hogan going to Bischoff. And they hug. That's making Eric Bischoff. Now, the newest member. The newest now member. Now that everybody realizes. Yeah. It's literally like the fucking Wu-Tang Clan, bro. If they had so many fucking members, bro, I lost Trikers, like, four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if not more. And, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, you look at all that, you know, it was a different time. And, you know, you saw you saw Eric Bischoff, you know, kind of smile and smug, look at him. And, you know, it was like a different time because – it's not something you saw very often. The the president, you know, actually being a part of a, a faction. Like, you would never see that hardly. You know, that was not a thing until, you know, Eric Bischoff did that. And then there was a, you know, ministry, the corporate ministry thing that they would have with, Vin, you know, Vince. And we'll, we'll cover that in long form eventually. But well, we was, got so much stuff to cover on these future oh, podcasts. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be crazy, dude. It's going to be so much fun, too. It's, it's, already, it's already becoming fun. Now, Hogan and Piper would actually wrestle at Starcade, in which Piper would win by submission. That same night, uh, Diamond Dallas Page was was attempted to, to join, was very tempted to join NWO, and he actually would wrestle in a, in the back then it was United States Heavyweight Champion uh, tournament, and he would actually lose because of interference from Hall and Nash. They would actually attack Page. And Eddie Guerrero would actually win it, but NWO kind of they would actually leave with the belt. Eddie Guerrero was technically supposed to win it, and they would give it to Six. So Six and Guerrero would actually have some iconic matches, a very good, very good you know tandem there. They were actually really good in the ring. They they actually had a pretty good match that sold out, which we're gonna talk about here in a little bit. But you really started to see the antics of NWO. They were supposed to be heels, but you look at the crowd, you've seen a lot of black shirts that said NWO on it. And you're like, you're like tempted to just like, you wanted to be the part of the bad guys. You know, Starcade, as I mentioned, it was actually a pretty decent pay per view with Hogan and Piper main eventing. And at that point, that's when Eric Bischoff would basically leave the announce table indefinite. He would not be a part of it until sold out. He would actually be a, a commentator because they. You know, it was a heel pay-per-view event. It was called NWO Sold Out. And that was pretty much the last time Eric Bischoff would actually commentate. Now, my personal opinion, I actually liked Eric Bischoff commentating. He did really good. Tony Schiavone did a great job, too. I liked him as a commentator, but I liked him better involved with, like, the feuds and, you know, GM mode. Like, I mean, not GM mode, but, like, being a GM and, like, head of the boss type shit. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he, he did a pretty good job running WCW obviously for 83 weeks they did really well now the giant the next next week on Nitro after that the giant would actually 
refused to choke slam Piper and NWO would kick the giant out and that would lead to a pay-per-view event to Hogan and the giant. They fought to a no contest in the main event match. The NWO referee, Nick Patrick was actually the only referee in the whole pay-per-view for the most part until Randy Anderson would come in and we'll talk about that here in a second in a tag team match. But that pay-per-view event had some pretty good matches. Eddie Guerrero would retain the title against six in the latter match, which was a very good match. And the Outsiders would actually technically lose the tag team champions to the Steiners. But then the next night on Nitro, Eric Bischoff would reward them, claiming that Randy Anderson, who ran in to officiate after uh, Nick Patrick was, was knocked out, was not an official referee. And then he, you know, kayfabe would retire Anderson for his actions. It was actually a pretty good, solid pay-per-view event, considering it was supposed to be an all-heel pay-per-view event, and which is you didn't see these things because it was like you wouldn't think of like back then. Okay, let's see here. Let's let's think of in the WCW had, you know, the NWO. Now WWE they didn't really have that kind of feud faction like Nation of Domination. I guess could be. I mean, imagine a Nation Domination pay-per-view event like. <laughs> like serious like i mean it's the only thing i could think of like the only faction that was big enough and it would be nation of domination domination pay-per-view yeah the like, domination yeah over yeah domination takeover or something i don't know it it would not have it would not have gone well not like the nwo did because they had more obviously but nation of domination was no no doubt about it. great wrestlers in there farouk was you know hall of famer as we mentioned D'Lo Brown was very, very underrated. Mark Henry, another Hall of Famer, you know, and you know the the Papa Shanga, aka I think it was like what was it, Kamal or something or something weird like that. He was Godfather. He was a uh, yeah. Papa Shango and uh, Kama. I think it was like Kama or something like that with uh, the Nation of Domination, you know, and he's also a Hall of Famer. But you know, great wrestlers in their own right, you know. But it would not have been worth watching. Now, the Super Bowl number uh, seven, you saw the Outsiders lost the tag team titles to Lex Luger and the Giant, while Six defeated Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Champion. Later that night, Hogan would successfully defend his title against Roddy Piper. And Macho Man, after weeks of basically being like Sting, a free agent, helped Hogan win the title, and thus participated in the beatdown of Piper, submitting himself as a member of the NWO, which we got something big, as you guys are going to hear. I obviously didn't play yet, but in the intro, our new intro is actually done by a wonderful TikToker who did our... Yes, sir. Shout out to him. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful TikToker. And I'm going to leave all the descriptions. You guys can go follow him on TikTok, Instagram. He's a wonderful uh, content creator on there. He actually did our... Our wonderful, wonderful intro, but Macho Man it was one of my favorite members of NWO. Who was your favorite member of NWO? All, my favorite of all member of them. NWO, I honestly would have to say probably Scott Hall, and ironically enough, Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Great wrestlers. I, I would have to say honestly, probably Hollywood Hogan by a smidge over Scott Hall. I'm honestly, I, I like Ow. Macho Man. When we talk about the Wolfpack, though. Oh yeah, my boy's name. Yeah, the, the Red and Black Sting. We're gonna do a NWO Wolfpack podcast for sure. That's just gotta happen. Uh, 
you know, at this point, you would actually see one of the more iconic rivalries of this time frame uh, between DDP and Macho Man Randy Savage. Very good matches. Uh, Macho Man would actually legitimately injure Diamond Dallas Page, hitting him with an elbow drop, breaking his ribs. And you started seeing DDP walk around with the uh, with the, the the tape or whatever it was that he had, the bandages around him. And, you know, it, it was, you know, it was an, an accident. And, you know, but it actually kind of would become something iconic. So it would work out well for everybody because it was actually one of the skins in uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge. One of a great, great wrestling game. Um, going on, I thought I was gonna sneeze. Later, Bischoff would Bless re- you, <laughs> later uh, Bischoff would return the tag team titles to the Outsiders as Lex Luger actually would legitimately get injured and was not clear to wrestle. However, Luger later would issue a challenge at the next pay per view event, winner take all tag team match at Uncensored two weeks. Later on the March episode of Nitro, Turner Sports Vice President Dr. Harvey oh, Schiller would suspend nope. would suspend Eric Bischoff for abuse of the office, quote unquote suspend, but it was just a rule, you know, it wasn't real. The NWO won a three team tag team match in addition to winning a pre match stipulation that NWO would gain right to challenge for any WCW championship whenever they pleased, wherever they pleased. And Sting would just, uh, this is where you see Sting descend from the Raptors and Hall, Savage, Nash, and Hogan were all in the ring and he would attack all of them. thus kind of making it seem like he was all team uh, WCW, which, you know, we'd find out he was to a certain degree. Now, yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, he was kind of like, it was like, you know, it was like WCW, you had the Four Horsemen, you had NWO, you had Raven's Flock, and then there was Sting. Like, it just, you know, you didn't know where he was going. Now, tensions would start to begin to surface, and, you know, and the NWO, and at Spring Stampede, the show ended with Savage and Bischoff at each other's throats after the... After the former's loss, which uh, Savage lost to Page, and both were forced to be held back by the other members of the group. J.J. Dillon, who was appointed WCW commissioner during Bischoff's suspension, later had had Big Bubba Rogers, who was also known as Big Boss Man, and Mr. Wall Street removed from the NWO due to contractual technicalities. Now, Mr. Wall Street was also known as IRS in the WWE. Actually... Bray Wyatt's and Bo Dallas' father. Yes, he is the father of them too. For those who don't know, now you know. Additionally, Ted DiBiase would actually quit the group after feeling remorse for some of the WCW wrestlers who were victims of NWO assaults, and he would actually join with Scott uh, Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner, helping the uh, the Steiners actually become tag team champions, which another great tag team during that time frame. Now. I want to stop it all there because it would actually get very, very good. And we can go on and on and on covering (laughs) NWO because what's coming up next is actually rather iconic. And I would like to just do starting from here. It would be the Dennis Rodman joining the NWO and you would see something that actually was pretty cool. Like Dennis Rodman and, and, you know, 
I don't know. First Mike Tyson, not Dennis Rodman. Yeah, you got Dennis Rodman joining NWO. He would join the NWO, so Hulk Hogan and (laughs) Dennis Rodman would face DDP and Karl Malone. Now, no doubt about it, great basketball players. Obviously, both of them are Hall of Famers. Rodman a little uh, little out there. (laughs) And Malone, he he seemed a little square, honestly. Like, he seemed like he was like a little... You know, I don't know. He seemed like a, a the kind of person that you would want to hang out oh, with. But since you're talking about wrestlers, I mean, since you're talking about celebrities being at the wrestling ring, can we address Snoop Dogg jumping off the top rope in AEW? Oh shoot, isn't that something? Like <laughs> I was like, that dude was really high, huh? <laughs> Literally, Fat <laughs> yeah. versus Big Show. Yeah, I yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know, Snoop Dogg. Uh, that whole the Bad Bunny I thought was actually kind of cool. I liked seeing Yo, that. Bad Bunny was low key legit though. I yeah. give him credit. That I little mean, motherfucker was low key legit. And then the Royal Rumble that, that was <laughs> to see him get done like that. Like I was like, oh damn. I was I was rooting for him just because he was the underdog. But as soon as Brock Lesnar was there, I was like, yeah, it's over for him. It's like, over. Well, <laughs> yeah. Get like I said. Effort. Where there's going to be an NWO part two. There's going to be probably a part three. We're probably going to do the Wolf Pack as a whole. Um, I also would like to do like a bonus podcast where we cover the NWO coming to WWE because that was pretty cool to see, as you mentioned earlier, The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was also another match that happened that same pay per view where Austin hit Scott Hall with the stunner. I, you know, and a pretty, yeah, a pretty classic stunner where Scott Hall sells it pretty well. And I mentioned in the beginning that, you know, I had a few clips that I wanted to play. And yeah, buddy, there's one more I want to play in honor of Scott Hall. And I'm going to play it. I'm going to share the screen right now. R.I.P. the man's one of the ghosts, man. Yeah, let's let's play the last clip that I, I have for us. And it's from his Hall of Fame induction. Hard work pays off. Oh yeah. Bad times don't last. Guys do. But bad guys do. That look, that look, you know, iconic man, and you know, R.I.P. You know, I I do have one touching or one one thing I would like to say, and. His last iconic line in that that we just played was from the that was the last iconic line that he said in his Hall of Fame speech. And I want to say one final thing about Scott Hall, you know, obviously rest in peace. And I want to thank him for the impact he made on the business because the WCW and WWE would not be where it is if it wasn't for a bad guy like him. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. sad to see what had happened to him. You know, a lot and, of these wrestlers are the reason behind a lot of the things that's happened. Correct. On screen. Correct. And that they they don't get the knowledge address for whatever, but a lot of these wrestlers come up with their own gimmicks, come up with their own switches. Um, like I said, came up with the idea for Steam from watching the Crow. Yeah. Like a lot of these wrestlers literally get their ideas, and they brand it they, themselves. Yeah. And people don't know that. They think it's all the creative team. No, it's literally the wrestlers themselves for other wrestlers. Yeah, and you know, rest in peace to Scott Hall. You know, obviously we would never want to see somebody pass away 
especially somebody you know that you know we grew up idolizing. Can you imagine Scott Hall and in, in, in being a member of DS? That would be great. That would have been awesome, especially at that time that frame. Yeah, I think he would have fit well with with that. <laughs> but is there anything else you'd like to add to the NWO portion? Um, the NWO portion. I mean, like I said, we cover the majority of it. We can go on and on and on and on. We can write a whole book and a movie and all, yeah. uh, everything about it. But um, we, you guys, just gotta stay tuned for the, you know the next part two, man. Yeah, yeah it, it's gonna be coming soon. Now, next week's podcast, we're gonna be covering the infamous 1998 I better better speak English here, buddy. The nineteen ninety eight King of the Ring. And we're actually going to be covering one specific match. We're actually going to be commentating as if we're the commentators. We're going to be JR yeah, and, and Vince McMahon. You know, it's going to be iconic, and we're going to cover one match in specific. I'm saying Shark and Shark can get Skip Bayless. Oh yeah, we've said that in prior podcasts, you know. But we're going to cover the 1998 Hell in the Cell match between the Undertaker and Mankind, where you see Mankind get thrown off through over. I mean, it seemed like he was everywhere in that damn match, you know, and I I can't wait. Uh, And we'll also be covering Ken Shamrock actually won the King of the Ring event, the King of the Ring itself, Xbox versus Owen Hart, Kane versus Austin in the WWF championship match and a first blood match, which we talked about prior in the last week's podcast. But this Mm -hmm. is actually going to be a very iconic pay-per-view event just because we're going to be actually commenting on that match because we're going to be actually watching it live almost. And it's gonna be kind of cool because we're gonna you're gonna hear our actual reactions. We're gonna be calling the match. We're gonna be trying to do our best to be commentators and try not to be a little vulgar because we're, there's gonna be a couple holy shits in there. You know it. You know? If you want to get laughed, tune in to next week's episode and you're gonna get some laughs you're looking for. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I I'm actually looking forward to it. Nambo actually picked it out because. I mean, we could cover just that match, but I was like, you know what? Why don't we cover the whole pay-per-view event? That way we get that full hour. I say we commentate that match. Yeah. And then we just look at some of the highlights and whatnot or give our opinions on the rest of the matches, but definitely commentate the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that that match was just amazing in general. And like Nambo said, it was one of his favorite matches. He he thinks that mankind is a hardcore god almost, and he was. He really was. He him and Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, to be thrown off of hell in a cell and to take a bump like he did and be thrown through it later on. And bro, I swear to God, they would be like, "Hey, look, we're gonna throw you from top of this cell through this table." I'd be like, "All right, bet." Yeah, yeah, yeah. match over with like that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's one thing we got to do before we end this this wonderful podcast because it's definitely been too sweet. We need we need some music to end it. All right, guys. It's been me, King Uno the Gamer. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. The Kingdom Talks with Kings. We will see you guys next week. All right, King Uno. All right, Star King. Let's go, baby. Oh, thank you.